You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Breaking news alert. Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. So, breaking news. Well, I, I guess there's as much breaking news as you would expect for the, uh, you know, on Monday having the NFL legal tampering period for NFL free agency, followed by Wednesday, where it was the first official day of NFL free agency. So, it's it's a lot of news. And instead of going through every little tidbit, because I don't want to take up the whole podcast on it, it would take up the whole podcast, we'll just go by and I'll give you fantasy football relevant news of each team's signings. Starting with the Buffalo Bills, Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, formerly of the Bears, he signed with the Bills to be their backup quarterback. It's a one-year contract worth $2.5 million, and I, I think he went there just because he really didn't have any other options. I mean, Bears were kind of out on him. They didn't want him back, and he wasn't going to get a starting gig anywhere. I think this is a good spot for him. This is going to be a spot where he can learn and maybe develop a little bit uh, under you know, with the Buffalo Bills, you saw what they did with Josh Allen, who kind of had a similar skill set. And so hopefully he's uh, thinking that he can capture some of that magic and, and get a contract next offseason. Um, but wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, who played for the Saints last year, and he was kind of a disappointment with the Saints. I mean, he came over from you know, the 49ers where he was, you know, their, their main guy and pretty impressive and just I don't know, whatever whatever reason, didn't feel like he had the chemistry. And even when uh, Michael Thomas, him being hurt most of the year, he thought Sanders would step up. He really didn't. But uh, enough about that. He signed with the Buffalo Bills as well. And that's going to be a pretty good punch with uh, uh, Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis uh, and, and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, the, I feel like the Bills are uh, really going to have a, a good trio. And I shouldn't say trio because Cole Beasley is still there as well. So Beasley will be a good, uh, you know, fourth guy, slot guy, and uh, Bills have some good playmakers. Um, going to the Miami Dolphins, Jacoby Brissett, he signed with the Dolphins. He's going to be the backup to Tua Tagovailoa, and this is a good move for them. I mean, they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, which we'll get into, and that's a huge blow because I feel like the only reason why the Dolphins made the playoffs last year was because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was like, oh, Tua Tagovailoa's, uh, you know, where, you know, he started and we're behind, so, you know, it's the fourth quarter. We need to win this game. Let's get Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, and that's kind of what he did. And uh, having that, lo- you know, losing that uh, that that safety net, Tua Tagovailoa is really gonna have to step up this year for for the Dolphins to be competitive. And I like the moves they made around him, so he really doesn't have too many excuses of why he can't be successful this year. Uh, running back Malcolm Brown, formerly of the Rams, signed a one-year deal. 
And he's basically going to take over the same role he had with the Rams. He's not going to be the main guy. He's just going to be a guy that's uh, pretty solid that can do all, you know, receiving, blocking, running, can do it all well and uh, just be a, a good piece for that offense. Uh, Will Fuller, he signed with the Dolphins, formerly of the Texans. He was suspended the last part of the season, and he was going to have a top 10 season before he got suspended. I mean, he was just on fire this year. And uh, he's going to the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, you put him together with Devontae Parker, and they finally have another receiver opposite him to really uh, kind of take away coverages. And I, I think, you, you know, this is going to be, uh, well, it's going to mean great things for Devontae Parker to finally have another weapon across from him. And we'll, we'll see how Tua develops and if uh, he's able to take advantage of that. But, you know, that's a, I, I think that's an upgrade for the Miami Dolphins receiving room. I usually don't mention this, but I will just because uh, it's kind of bizarre. But Isaiah Wilson was traded to the Miami Dolphins, the offensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans, who was just their number one draft pick last year. It just uh, went downhill quick. Isaiah Wilson barely played. The, you know, I think he was there for some kneel downs, and that was it. Uh, he was <laughs> traded for a seventh-round selection. So that's how... Uh, toxic the Isaiah Wilson situation turned out to you know turned out to be and him going to the Dolphins is kind of a fresh start but uh, what can happen in Miami you know yeah there's definitely not anything going on in Miami that can get him into any type of trouble so it should be a good fit uh, we'll see but uh, uh, maybe we'll work out you know the best for him and uh, he can get onto the field and New England Patriots, Cam Newton, he resigned a one-year deal. And I think this is really big news because, I'll be honest, when I saw Cam Newton last year, I didn't think he was going to play again. So the fact that the Patriots wanted him back, and I'm by no means blaming the Patriots' you know, lack of offense on Cam Newton exclusively. Um, he didn't have any weapons around him to really do anything. Most of the work they did was with him running you know, rushing the football, and uh, it was just really hard to watch this offense. So the, the Patriots did a great job of adding weapons around him, and they weren't going to do anything, you know, in the quarterback market anyways. I really think they're going to draft a quarterback this year. I don't see why they don't. I, I think that would be the best move. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously have that quarterback waiting in the, the wings for next season. But uh, Cam Newton's a great uh insurance policy for this year. It's a one-year deal. Uh, it's up to $13.6 million. And uh, I, I kind of like the moves that the Patriots did because, again, you're, you're not going to have uh, Jared Stenham. That ship is kind of sailed, I think. Uh, Brian Hoyer's not the answer. So, uh, yeah, you, you throw in someone like Cam Newton for one year, draft the guy, and hopefully he's ready by, the, uh, by next year. Nelson Aguilar, he signed, formerly of the Oakland Raiders, wide receiver. Patriots really needed wide receiver help. Their wide receiver play was atrocious last year. Uh, Nelson Aguilar did a lot of great things from the slot, worth you know, two-year deal worth $26 million. So the Patriots obviously believe that too because they're paying him $13 mil a season for him to play that you know the slot position. And uh, obviously Julian Edelman is there. But uh, he was injured all last year, and uh, I, 
you know, he's getting up there in age, so it's looking like they're making a move to uh, move on from him a little bit. Kendrick Bourne signed a three-year deal worth $22.5 million. And usually a move like Kendrick Bourne, you're just like, well, he was a good piece for the 49ers. He always played better than uh, where he was on the depth chart. And he probably could have better production if he was more part of that offense. Uh, so this is a good find by the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne is a pretty good receiver, and if anyone can uh, use him to, uh, you know, to his uh, best abilities, it's going to be the Patriots. So I like this signing. I think Kendrick Bourne's a good receiver, and uh, you know, again, the 49ers weren't necessarily using him the way he could have been used. Uh, he's just a versatile guy. He's a great, uh, you know, on sweeps and stuff. He's great at running the ball. Uh, so he's just really versatile, and he's he kind of screams to me, Patriots receiver. So good signing there. They paid him a lot of money, though, so this isn't like a uh, Wes Welker-type signing or a Danny Amendola signing where, you know, you pick up a guy from another team and on a cheap deal and, uh, you know, just feel like you can scheme him better than the other team. Uh, they're, they're really counting on Kendrick Bourne to, to do something, and, and they paid him to, to be more than that. So we'll see how that works out. And then you look at uh, tight end Hunter Henry, tight end Janu Smith. Both of them went to the Patriots. Those are huge deals. Those are the top two tight ends in the market, and I'd like it a lot. I mean, they're both solid tight ends. I thought Janu Smith was woefully underused. Like, just, it was embarrassing how underutilized he was in that offense. I thought Janu Smith was a weapon. You know, you heard me talk about him over last offseason. And he still produced. And he had a really hot start, but then it's almost like they forgot about him and just didn't scheme uh, scheme with them. And then they started throwing Anthony Ferkser in there as well, getting him some targets and uh, phasing Janu Smith out a little bit. Uh, this is a great signing by the Patriots. And, you know, Hunter Henry, he has some injuries, so I think that kind of derailed him a little bit with the Los Angeles Chargers. But uh, when he's healthy and he's going... He's a really good tight end, too. And these guys both, I feel like, well, I feel like Hunter Henry can block a little bit better than Janu Smith, but they're both pretty, uh, all, you know, they're, they're all-around tight ends that can run and, uh, well, catch the ball and block. So uh, you might be seeing more of, like, the uh, two tight end attack that they had way back in the day with uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez where they were both, like, top ten tight ends and... You know, I think this is another move where the Patriots are like, well, our receiver play was horrible, and we couldn't cover it up by having our tight ends because, you know, the tight ends weren't really doing anything. Uh, Ryan uh, Izzo just wasn't the answer. So they get the top two tight ends in the free agent market, and they're just, you know, they're like, who needs wide receivers when we got these tight ends? So you, I, you could expect some pretty big things from uh, – John New Smith and Hunter Henry this year, and I definitely think both of them can be top 10 tight ends. Um, moving on to the New York Jets, they didn't really do anything. Well, they did. I take that back. They got uh, Corey Davis, signed him to a three-year, $37.5 million contract. And this is going to be interesting to see. Corey Davis, you know, he had a great year last year, but was underwhelming previous to that, you know, the last three years before that. So, um, you know, are they going to get the the guy that uh, was pretty per impressive and performed last year for the Titans, or are they getting the guy that uh, kind of underwhelmed the previous three years for the Titans? 
Um, I'm banking on the latter. It's a good signing by the Jets. He's a tall receiver, kind of, you know, outside receiver that, uh, you know, uh, with Denzel Mims, that's a pretty good duo. And then they signed Keelan Cole from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Jackson Jagu- Jacksonville Jaguars did some interesting things at receiver. We'll talk about when we get to them, but obviously didn't have room for Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole was a little bit uh, more talented than what they were utilizing him for. And he's, he's kind of like the Kendrick Bourne of the 49ers, you know. He, he has talent, and, you know, if he gets on a team where they utilize those talents a little bit more, he can be a more productive guy. And uh, I think for, with the Jets, Keelan Cole can be more productive. The B- Baltimore Ravens, uh, they really didn't do anything. Uh, they got Josh Oliver from the Jaguars on a trade. Uh, tight end, not that newsworthy. Cincinnati Bengals re-signed Brandon Allen to be the backup to Joe Burrow. And offensively, that's about it. I mean, they let A.J. Green walk, and uh, they didn't really need to do much. Cleveland Browns, they re-signed Hollywood Higgins, my guy. I'm excited about that. That's really about it, though. They pretty much had everyone under contract anyways, so they didn't really do anything else besides that. Well, at least on offense. Pittsburgh Steelers, they brought uh, back Ray Ray McLeod. He's like the fifth receiver on their team. So uh, potentially if Juju Smith-Schuster leaves and they don't draft the guy, that might move Ray Ray McLeod up a little bit. And I know the Steelers are trying to do more with uh, the running game in regards to the receivers being in motion and screens and reverses and uh, sweeps, like the jet sweeps and those type of things. And Ray Ray McLeod really kind of fits that mold. And on top of that, he's a good return guy. Uh, Houston Texans, they signed Tyrod Taylor, and especially with all the news going on with Watson where he might be traded or is he going to be charged with sexual assault, what's going on with all those things, who knows. Uh, they were able to sign Tyrod Taylor, one-year deal, $5.5 million. It's a good signing. You know, he went to the Chargers. He was the starter until he got poked with a cortisone shot and punctured a lung. And uh, that pretty much was the end of his season because uh, Justin Herbert just came in and dominated from that point on. So this is a good signing, and it's you know it's good insurance in case something does happen with Watson. Um, and I, I saw a good uh, tweet about it, where Tyrod, you know, he went to an organization where he was stabbed in the front, and now he went to an organization where he's being, you know, he might be stabbed in the back. Uh, it's a little bit harsh, but uh, with all the rumors going on about the Texans front office right now, and all the things going on with uh, Deshaun Watson, and you know. There's definitely a lot of conspiracy theories that are interesting about it. Uh, it's it, definitely a pretty accurate uh, tweet that I read. Running back Mark Ingram signs with the Texans. This is a good move. It's uh, kind of takes off some of the pressure from David Johnson. You know, the Texans released Duke Johnson, so it's going to be Mark Ingram and David Johnson. It looks like a running back by committee type uh, of move because I don't see either of them kind of, you know, being the main guy. I, I think you're going to see Mark Ingram, you know, take a lot of the targets on the ground, maybe some of the goal line work. David Johnson kind of having that dual role where, where he's kind of like the third down uh, running back where he 
catches some passes and then also you know mixes in some runs too but there's definitely going to be room for both of those running backs on this roster Pharaoh Brown resigned and you're like why is that significant you know Pharaoh Brown really didn't do much as a tight end I really think they're going his way I think Aikens is an afterthought they tried to use him last year he didn't pan out he didn't produce like they wanted him to Fells is a good guy you know he uh, you know Darren Fells did pretty well when he was in there but Pharaoh Brown's an intriguing prospect and I I really think he's going to take over the tight end room he's going to be the starter he's going to be fantasy relevant he's definitely going to be a top 12 tight end uh it's something to monitor we'll definitely have to see what other offseason moves the Texans make but uh you heard it from me now just kind of keep Farrell Brown in your peripheral in regards to uh the tight end positions and uh just to see how this whole thing shakes out because I really think he's going to be the one that uh takes advantage of uh, of you know being the main guy for the Texans at tight end. Ryan Izzo was acquired from the Patriots. That makes sense. I mean, they got their dude from the Patriots to BGM, so of course he's going to try to get some of those guys, and Ryan Izzo really didn't do much in regards to receiving for the Patriots anyway, so it's uh, he's more of a depth guy. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts, Obviously, we already talked about the Carson Wentz trade. Good for the Colts and getting Carson Wentz. But they re-signed Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack was one of my favorite running backs on the market. He got hurt like second game of the season. Really kind of opened the door for Jonathan Taylor to have the monster season that he had. Um, but him re-signing, he's, he's a guy that can, you know, he's like a Le'Veon Bell type. He can catch the ball, he can run the ball, he's really versatile. I'm not saying he's was as good as Le'Veon Bell, obviously, but he's kind of that same mold. And I was really looking forward to seeing where he would go. I thought he'd fit with a lot of teams' plans. Instead, he re-signs with the Colts, and it kind of muddles that situation for me. Like, I was really high on Jonathan Taylor. Like, top six running back, first round type pick uh, for Jonathan Taylor. And with Marlon Mack coming back, like, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor's going to like it totally takes away his value, but I think it puts a dent in it a little bit. They're going to try to utilize both these guys. I think Marlon Back's a better receiver, so Jonathan Taylor's not going to be on the field as much, and I think that's going to hurt his value. It was an interesting signing. I, I didn't understand it. And if you're a Jonathan Taylor like dynasty owner, or you're you know have him on your top of your list to draft, you really got to take pause and just kind of see how this you know the, the offense and schematically how how they try to use these two guys because uh you really got to hope it doesn't affect both of them too much jacksonville jaguars they signed carlos hyde that was you know that was a depth signing for james robinson robinson is the man i think hyde's a good insurance policy carlos hyde's you know he's like the new frank gore he just signs everywhere as like the insurance policy to have a good backup. And then he ends up playing a lot more than what you anticipate. They signed Philip Dorsett. From, they signed Marvin Jones from the Lions. That's a, a big signing. Marvin Jones is a consistent receiver. He's always able to, you know, 
almost get a thousand yards every year and quietly he's always undervalued and underranked and then someone gets him and's like man Marvin Jones was so consistent I'm glad I got him but now he's with the Jaguars and he's going to be with DJ Chark even though there's rumors he might be traded the LaVisca Chenault I mean there's going to be some weapons for the Jaguars and it's going to be interesting to see uh how that all shakes out uh quarterback wise you know urban Meyer's the guy over there so we'll see if they end up drafting trevor lawrence or not and uh is it going to be justin fields i mean i doubt it but uh you know that ohio state connection and uh, that's about it i mean jamal agnew was signed he's uh, he's a good return guy good signing um Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, Anthony Ferkser agreed to terms on a one turn or one year deal, and I think he was just cheaper, and that's what it came down to. Because I like him better than Janu Smith, but it was almost like they were working him in to be the starting tight end this year, regardless, uh, by kind of phasing Janu Smith out and you know working Anthony uh, Ferkser. Anthony Ferkser is an interesting name this year now as well because they re-signed Jeff Schwaim, but he's more of a blocking tight end. Ferkser's their receiving tight end, and, you know, all the way back to the days of Delaney Walker, you know how much they use those uh, tight ends in that offense, so. Uh, Broncos signed Mike Boone. They're obviously not tender, uh, tender, I can't say it, tendering, tenuring, I, I don't know. Uh, Philip Lindsay is going to be gone. How about that? Mike Boone is uh, going to be that depth guy behind Melvin Gordon for right now, and, uh, I mean, it's an okay signing. I'm still mad at Mike Boone for the championship game where, you know, he scores 22 points a game until that championship where he got, like, 30 yards total and, and ruined a lot of championship uh, weekends for a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of second-place uh, finishers, that's for sure. Anyway, Kansas City Chiefs, they signed Blake Bell. And I'm intrigued by this Blake Bell signing because he played for the Cowboys – they didn't use him very much. He seemed like he was a decent tight end. Now he's going to the Chiefs, where obviously he's not going to be in front of uh, Travis Kelsey. But uh, maybe they can work him in a little bit more. He's uh, Blake Bell's one of those guys that I always feel like he, he could be a weapon as a tight end. He's a, he's a pretty decent receiver. But, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys just never used him. The Las Vegas Raiders, this is going to be really interesting. Kenyon Drake signed a two-year, $11 million deal. Now, I have to pause on this. I have to pause a lot on this because what the heck is going on that they signed Kenyon Drake? Like, Josh Jacobs was the guy. It always felt like they weren't committed to using him as much as they could have. Like, he could have been a bell cow type back, but they didn't want to use him that way. Then they go out and sign Kenyon Drake, and that just muddies that whole backfield. Like, is Kenyon Drake the guy? Is Josh Jacobs the guy? Now, obviously, I think... Josh Jacobs is the guy, and Kenyon Drake is going to be kind of like the, you know, the relief type running back, you know, change of pace guy. But still, we, we really got to see how the situation plays out because that could really hurt Josh Jacobs' value depending on, uh, you know, if he sees a big decrease in volume per game. That's going to be bad news for fantasy owners. And uh, John Brown signed a one-year deal with the Raiders, which is... You know, it's a good move. The Raiders' wide receivers last year weren't very good. They were young. You know, they lost Nelson Aguilar, uh, uh, Braylon Edwards, um, 
Oh, sorry, not Braylon Edwards. <laughs> Brian Edwards, who I really liked uh, and just didn't pan out at all. He got injured and then kind of really fell behind and then just never picked it up after that. Yeah, Hun- Henry Ruggs would just disappear games. Hunter Renfro seemed to be the only consistent receiver, but he wasn't much of a playmaker. So this signing of John Brown is a really good signing and uh, should help open up that Raider offense a little bit. The Los Angeles Chargers signed Jared Cook at tight end. You know, losing Hunter Henry, they needed to replace that uh, position. And Jared Cook's a good deal. I mean, Hunter Henry's injury prone. Jared Cook, I mean, you could say he's a little injury prone as well. But uh, uh, Jared Cook is basically a, a lateral move in regards to you're replacing one guy with another guy. You hope he stays a little bit healthier. And it you know, it's going to keep the wheels rolling on the bus. NFC East, Dak Prescott uh, signed a four-year, $160 million contract. Just insane. But, I mean, the Cowboys had no choice. You saw what Dak Prescott did those first five weeks before he got hurt with that offense and what it looked like after he left. And you got to be really excited. I mean, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, so good move by the Cowboys. New York Giants signed Devontae Booker. Should be backing up Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley can't make it back because of that injury. There, you know, there's been rumors that maybe his injury is a little bit worse than they thought, and he might not be all the way back at the beginning of the season. Uh, or I should say training camp. Uh, we don't know about the season. Uh, Devontae Booker is a good depth signing guy, and you know, you might want to keep your eye on if the Saquon Barkley situation gets worse. Um, even though Wayne Gallman has shown he's been a pretty good guy, contrary to, you know, it's like they try to use everybody else, and then they have no choice but to use Wayne Gallman, and then Wayne Gallman seems to be the best performer, uh, you know, as a, the backup running back. So, uh, John Ross was signed at wide receiver. Should fit right in there with uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. You know, they lost uh, Golden Tate, or they got rid of him. <laughs> because he was a little disgruntled. He made some disgruntling comments. Um, so John Ross, with that speed, you know, that's the thing with John Ross. He had the speed, didn't really do much with it in Cincinnati, and I'm sure it's going to be the same with the Giants. But I don't think he'll have the expectations he had with Cincinnati, so he can be a, you know, a big play threat for the Giants. and uh, Yeah, call it good. Kyle Rudolph went to the Giants, which is interesting because... Evan Ingram, you know, they've been trying and trying to feed him the ball. It's like they keep force-feeding it to him. Come on, Evan Ingram. Here's the ball. Do something with it. Do something with it. I think this Kyle Rudolph signing is kind of insurance. You know, Kyle Rudolph is getting up there in age a little bit. Has some injuries. But, uh, uh, you know, he definitely can still be a guy that uh, can be utilized in the passing game. And he's a good blocker. So if anything, you know, he's a lot better blocker than Evan Ingram. So, you know, he he can still be on the field a lot. Um, maybe he'll start and they'll use Evan Ingram as, you know, in passing situations to try to keep their offense more balanced. We'll see how that works out. But it's an interesting signing. Philadelphia Eagles haven't done anything, so we'll skip them. <laughs> couple of defensive signings. Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Washington football team. Really good move. I like this move a lot. You know, Terry McLaurin 
uh, his stock just skyrocketed. You know, every everyone loved Terry McLaurin. The big issue was who was going to throw him the ball. Now we don't have to worry about it. Fitzpatrick can throw it downfield, and he's just fun. He's a fun guy to watch at quarterback, and he makes his receivers productive. Curtis Samuel, he signed a three-year deal with the Washington football team for $34.5 million. That's a great deal. Both Ohio State receivers are going to be there now with McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. And I really am starting to like this Washington football team offense. Like, they had the defense last year. If they can shore up the offense a little bit, uh, you know, I feel like they did with this move of Curtis Samuel. You know, you have Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Uh, you still have J.D. McKissick and uh, Antonio uh, Antonio Gibson, I almost said Dixon. Antonio Gibson in the backfield. Uh, that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a that's you have some weapons there. Lamar Miller resigned, but I mean, that's he's pretty much going to be the third running back and and backup, which I think that's where Lamar Miller kind of belongs anyway. You know, even with Miami, he had that one good year, and then. Uh, just been a guy ever since then. Like the Houston Texans held on to him way too long as their main guy. But I think he's an excellent backup. Chicago Bears, very interesting. They made some interesting moves. Allen Robinson received the franchise tag. He he signed it today. He's going to be the guy there. And the Bears really needed to do this because Allen Robinson's an amazing receiver. But we've always just complained about who's going to throw him the ball. We didn't know who that was going to be. Well, now we do. It's going to be Andy Dalton. He signed a one-year, $10 million contract to be quarterback of the Bears. And according to Andy Dalton, they said that he was going to be the starting quarterback. And I don't think Andy Dalton's necessarily a bad starting quarterback. I mean, he did some things on some of those bad Bengals teams and some of those good Bengals teams. I mean, he wasn't productive in the playoffs, but, I mean, they were competitive teams. I think he's a step up from Trubisky and Foles, but I, I don't know that the Chicago Bears are, I guess, any better offensively than they were before with this. Um, I mean, you just hope that he can get the ball to Allen Robinson better, and that will solve a lot of problems because uh, that's really all I'm hoping for in this whole situation. And it's just kind of an underwhelming solution to their quarterback problem. And I think it really opens the door to for the Chicago Bears to have to draft another quarterback in the draft. And and uh, kind of like the Patriots, you know, these quarterback uh, or these team signing veteran quarterbacks for one-year contracts makes me believe that they're they have every intent on trying to draft a guy and uh, give him a year to to uh to excel. Uh, Detroit Lions, they signed Jamal Williams, division rival from the Packers. He's now going to be, uh, well, it doesn't look like Adrian Peterson will be will be back, but maybe splitting carries with DeAndre Swift. And uh, with uh, Campbell, the head coach, trying to be more of a smash-mouth type offense, Jamal Williams can kind of share the load with DeAndre Swift and uh, create a one, you know, really good one-two punch. And uh, speaking of Williams, uh, Jamal's, distant uh, relative and I'm joking I don't even think they're related but Tyrell Williams wide receiver who signed with the Raiders a couple years ago got hurt most of this year so he didn't play 
he signed a one-year contract with the Lions. And we talked about this before. It was a good signing. Uh, and especially with the Lions, you know, they're going to lose Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. Uh, Tyrell Williams is going to be fantasy relevant next year if the Lions don't do anything. Uh, Josh Hill signed, but that's, you know, he's just going to be the backup to T.J. Hawkinson. So Packers, they re-signed Aaron Jones. Great re-signing. There's talk he's going to go to Miami. You know, that seemed like the hot destination. But in the end, the Packers, you know, retained him. And I like the move. I mean, why would you not uh, re-sign Aaron Jones? He was one of the best running backs in football. I know a lot of people were excited about A.J. Dillon and what his outlook uh, could have been if Aaron Jones signed somewhere else. Well, you know what you have in Aaron Jones? A.J. Dillon is still, you know, one of those things where uh, he's an unknown commodity. But uh, I think with Jamal Williams leaving, you're going to see a lot more of A.J. Dillon, and it's going to be kind of that one-two punch that he had with Jamal Williams with uh, just A.J. Dillon. Minnesota Vikings, Chad Beebe re-signed. He was like the, what, fourth receiver there. Falcons, they traded for tight end Lee Smith from the Bills, and he's just like a blocking tight end. So obviously the Falcons are trying to improve their run game, so that makes sense. Carolina Panthers agreed to terms with wide receiver David Moore. And that's really on offense, all they really did. Most of their signings were on defense. And I got to say, I don't blame them. That's uh, where I would put most of my signings, too. Uh, they did work on their offensive line, though, which they needed to do. So Cam Irvin, uh, franchise tag uh, Taylor Moten, and uh, Pat Elflin. Uh, you know, they're trying to shore that up and they needed to, so slowly and surely the Carolina Panthers are trying to get better every year, and that seems to be working. I like the moves. Saints, Jameis Winston re-signed with them. He's going to compete with Taysom Hill for that starting quarterback job, and that's it's a good move. I like it. Uh, I, I think, you know, Jameis Winston, he gets a lot of <laughs> static for throwing as many interceptions as he does and not being able to clean it up. But I'm telling you, if he's able to get that job for the Saints and, uh, you know, Michael Thomas and, man, what, uh, well, Taysom Hill. I mean, they might slide him back over to a tight end position. You got Adam Troutman. Uh, I, you know, fantasy football-wise, you got to really like the move now. Real football-wise, you're going to be banging your head against the wall with the interceptions that he throws, but it'll be an interesting uh, the training camp battle. Running back Ty Montgomery, he re-signed for a one-year contract. We talked about that a little bit. I like it. Obviously, back up to Kamara. And Tampa Bay Buccaneers re-signed Rob Gronkowski. You know, there's talk that he said he was thinking about going to Buffalo. He wasn't. He's going to stay with his boy Brady in Tampa. There's wasn't a question about him. So it's not surprising, but it is news. Chris Godwin received the franchise tag. I That's not surprising. Chris Godwin's a great receiver, and uh, we'll get into him a little bit today going over the wide receivers. Arizona Cardinals, they signed A.J. Green, one-year deal, and he's kind of replacing, you know, Larry Fitzgerald hasn't retired yet, but feel like this move is kind of replacing him. Let's get the old vet in there to work with the young guys and just be a good influence and, 
you know, if we get more out of, out of them than that, it's a bonus. But, uh, yeah, let's get that that kind of guy in the room. And it's, it's you know, A.J. Green's probably excited that he's leaving Cincinnati. So it's a win-win for both sides. Um, 49ers, they signed Trent Sherfield, used to play for the Cardinals. So stealing from their division rivals, and that's what seems to happen with teams is, you know, they'll, they'll steal players from their, their division. And it's because they know them better, and they see a lot more film of them. So, you know, you're going to go with what you know. But I always find that interesting. Kyle Juszczyk, he resigned a five-year contract for $27 million. Good move. 49ers are one of the few teams that really utilize their the fullback. So, what you know, that's the best uh, spot for him to be in. And then Seattle Seahawks, they signed tight end Gerald Everett. One-year deal, it's up to $7 million, but this is intriguing because Ryan Olsen retired. Jacob Hollister is just a guy. Will Disley, he's been, you know, got really hurt a couple years ago, so he's not going to be the guy. Gerald Everett could potentially be a pretty good weapon for the Seattle offense. And I think that's the one spot they were missing last year was that uh, security blanket at the tight end position. So you have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett, you mix Gerald Everett in there, that's, you know, going down the seams. Uh, I really like that. And I think Gerald Everett is kind of a another guy to keep your eye on in the Seattle Seahawks offense. He can really maybe show some fantasy relevance. But uh, I know this was a long one. I'm glad you stuck with me. But that is the news. That is what's been happening. And uh, it's only going to get uh, crazier from here. It's the 2020 Wide Receiver Review. Let's get the countdown started now. Jumping in to the Wide Receiver Review. And, you know, there's it's twice as fun for the wide receivers just because there's twice as many receivers, so we have twice as many rankings. And instead of, you know, the 30 we had for the running backs, we're going to go top 40 for the wide receivers. And to be honest, we could have gone even deeper than that because there's some prominent receivers outside the top 40. But uh, just for time's sake and the sake of the podcast, we're just going to do the top 40. Starting at number 40... We have a gentleman by the name of DJ Chark. And DJ Chark Jr. I had him ranked 19 coming into the season just because I was really impressed with his, uh, you know, this 2019 season. And his quarterback play was just too much to overcome. He uh, wasn't really able to do it. I mean, he was really streaky. And uh, he had 93 targets, 53 yards for 706 yards, five touchdowns. And this is over the course of 13 games. So, you know, the, he had, you know, he had an injury in, in the middle of the season, but I really think it just comes down to not really good quarterback play. Like, he's their best receiver. They weren't able to get him the ball on a consistent basis. And then he also was kind of weird where he'd have a great matchup and not really produce and then have a matchup you were kind of scared of and he did okay. So I think if he had a consistent quarterback, he would probably be a matchup proof type wide receiver. Uh, But that, you know, it was just tough to judge this year with 
you know, not having a really good quarterback. Trevor Lawrence going to make a difference? I don't know if it, that will. You know, rookie quarterbacks develop at different times. You know, you, you never know if Justin Herbert's going to come in in there and light it up or, you know, someone like Tua goes in there and it's taking time to develop. So it's just a tough nut to crack with uh, DJ Chark. Uh, 93 targets for 53 yards, 700 and, or sorry, 93 targets for 53 receptions, 706 yards, 5 touchdowns. So number 39 was Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Godwin. And he only played in 11 games, so I feel like if he had those extra five games, that obviously would have increased dramatically. He was targeted 84 times, had 65 receptions for 840 yards, seven touchdowns, and, uh, you know, obviously if he played the 16, he definitely would have been a 1,000-yard receiver and would have moved into the top 20 for sure. But uh, that wasn't the case. And him missing five games, he, you know, dropped to 39. I had him at number four going into the season. So someone drafted him really high to be one of the top receivers in the game, and it, it didn't happen. You know, he took that, uh, he took that next step the, the year before and uh, kind of took a step back this year. Now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise tagged him, so he's going to be there. I, I don't think it was just uh, his injury that held him back, you know, the fact that he missed five games. I also think it was the fact that there was just so many weapons on the Buccaneers. You know, Gronkowski got in on the action. Um, outside of Gronkowski, it was Mike Evans scoring a lot of touchdowns and, and stealing some targets. Antonio Brown was signed and started producing. So you put all those weapons together, and that's just that's a lot of balls to go around and, and Tough to get the, the, the piece of the pie that you feel like you need. So number 38, that was Cleveland Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry. He was targeted 101 times, 72 catches for 840 yards, three touchdowns. So Jarvis Landry was Baker Mayfield's main guy. And he, he he's about where we... We, we thought he was going to be. Um, Jarvis Landry, well, we had him at 30, so he ended up being 38. Not too far off. I just think uh, with the Browns, you know, they were committed to running the ball and having Baker Mayfield manage the game, and that's what basically happened. So um, Jarvis Landry is obviously the best receiver on the Cleveland Browns and the most consistent and that's really all I have to say about this. I mean, I think that's going to continue into next year. The offense is going to look the same. Jarvis Landry is still going to be the main guy. And, uh, yeah, his role's going to be there. So I, I, I don't see any, you know, we'll obviously see what happens in the offseason, but I don't see anything significant happening where he's still not going to be right, you know, right around that range. Number 37 is kind of a surprise. It is Tim Patrick for the Denver Broncos. Targeted 79 times for 51 receptions, 742 yards, six touchdowns. And one of the big things about Tim Patrick is he doesn't drop any balls. Like, you throw it to him, it's in his vicinity, he's going to catch it. Uh, again, I think he was kind of hurt by quarterback play. Jerry Judy was really inconsistent, so I think that led to Tim Patrick getting more targets. You know, the, the Bron Denver Broncos were really young on offense. K.J. Hamler... 
showed some promise, but he was really young. All around, it was just one of those like guys that uh, Tim, you know, came out of nowhere. You knew Tim Patrick was had some talent. You know, he was utilized a little bit the season before. He thought he'd get pushed back, you know, down the depth chart with all the acquisitions that they made and draft picks. And then he's kind of the one that rose to the top. Now, depending on what the Broncos do this offseason, I can see that maybe happening again where you think maybe he'll get, uh, you know, pushed down to the, the the bottom of the depth chart. You know, it's another year with Kenji Hamler. Jerry Judy might uh, show the promise that he looked like he was going to show the you know his rookie year. Deshaun Hamilton might start catching some some balls that he, he missed last year. So... It'll be interesting, but uh, I just think that, you know, you have a receiver that doesn't drop any balls, that he needs to be an important part of your offense, and at least be in your top three. So, uh, But the Broncos are just kind of in flux. You know, we don't know who the owner's going to be. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. It's like, uh, you know, their defense, they have a pretty solid defense. Oh, you know, let's get rid of some of the cornerbacks. Let's sign some other cornerbacks. It's just like... Uh, Denver Broncos are a hard team to figure out. Uh, Marquise Brown, he was ranked number 36. He had 100 targets, 58 catches for 769 yards, had eight touchdowns, and he really came on strong at the end of the year because it was looking worse than this. So the fact that he was able to sneak into the top 40 is impressive to me. I, I didn't like Hollywood Brown coming into the season. I thought he was being overvalued. He's getting a lot of preseason hype that he was going to be, you know, top 15 wide receiver for the Ravens. I wasn't buying it. And I feel really good about where I ranked him. Uh, I had Marquise Brown at number 35. So, I mean, him finishing 36, I'll I'll take it. Uh, It's right where I... uh, right where I analyzed him at. So I, you always feel good when you uh, rank a guy and end up meeting those uh, those rankings pretty spot on. Uh, and there's a lot of things I didn't like about Hollywood Brown. You know, I know he's a number one receiver, and you figure he's going to get a lot of targets. But, you know, he got 100 targets, but he only got 58 catches off those targets. So that's barely over 50%. And, you know, the eight touchdowns were great. That helped him out. But... Uh, you know, touchdowns are something that you can't really measure. It's kind of a crapshoot on touchdowns. So he can go next year and get like four touchdowns. He's still probably going to get the same amount of targets and receptions. So uh, this is kind of my my thing with Hollywood Brown in the in the first place. And it's going to be interesting. We'll do this little uh, exercise because at number thirty five, I have Michael Gallup from the Dallas Cowboys. He was a guy that uh, you would say had a disappointing year. He was targeted 105 times, had 59 receptions for 843 yards, had five touchdowns. Now, everyone was building up Hollywood Brown, especially towards the end of the season, you know, going into next year, like, well, he picked it up at the end, he had touchdowns like four straight games, and um, Michael Gallup, uh, he's like the third, fourth option now on that Dallas Cowboys offense. So there was... It was one of those things where Hollywood Brown was being hyped up. Michael Gallup was not. And then you look at the stats, and Michael Gallup was targeted more. He had more receptions. He had more yards. 
Now, he had three less touchdowns, but if you would have said, you know, without even looking at the stats, do you think Michael Gallup as like the third, fourth receiving option on the Dallas Cowboys had a better statistical season than Hollywood Brown? I don't think anyone would have thought that. I think everyone would have definitely been like, no, Hollywood Brown probably blew him out of the water because it was a really disappointing season for uh, Michael Gallup this year. And, uh, yeah, you look at it, and Michael Gallup actually had a better season than Hollywood Brown. So imagine Michael Gallup, even as, like, the third or fourth receiving option on the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott all year. Because Michael Gallup did this with Dak Prescott only for five games and then had Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton and, and those guys throwing him the ball. So uh, that's how much higher I am on Michael Gallup than I am Hollywood Brown. The, the fact that he could be the third, fourth receiving option on a team that's using their second, third, or fourth string quarterback and outpace Hollywood Brown, who's the number one receiver with their starting quarterback, I, I think just says a lot and uh, kind of puts that... Uh, you know, that, that hype of Hollywood Brown to rest a little bit. Uh, number 34 was Jamison Crowder. He was targeted 89 times, had 59 catches for 699 yards, six touchdowns. And uh, Jamison Crowder was in the slot for the Jets, and he was the only productive weapon on in the New York offense. I mean, Brashard Perryman had his moments, but, I mean... It was Crowder or bust for that offense, and it was fun watching him. I really enjoyed watching Jamison Crowder, and uh, that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, the Jets were a horrible offense. They're a horrible team. Uh, Jamison Crowder's not horrible, and he was able to, you know, get a top 40 season in uh, that type of offense. You can only imagine what he, he's going to look like in, a, in an offense that's more productive. And think about think about it this way: he's not going to be in an Adam Gase offense next year. So you definitely need to have you need to have Jamison Crowder on your radar. I mean, you've seen what happened to players after they left Adam Gase's offense and how you know amazing they looked. Jameson Crowder looked amazing with Adam Gase's offense, so imagine what he's going to look like without it. That's all I'm saying. Number 33 is Tyler Boyd from the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's kind of like Michael Gallup for me. I mean, he was targeted 110 times, had 79 receptions, 841 yards, and four touchdowns. I think, you know, with as many times as he was targeted, the touchdowns were low. I think he should have had more touchdowns than that, and I actually think that's what held him back. Uh, he was, you know, he only played 14 games, so I think if he played a whole 16-game season, he would have had 1,000 yards receiving. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd, uh, he's going to be their main weapon. He's he, Even the backup quarterbacks were looking his way all the time. So after uh, Joe Burrow went down, the backup quarterbacks were still looking his way. And it took a couple games, but... Uh, you know, he was able to start getting that consistent production after, you know, that lull between Burrow and uh, what they, the Finley experiment died pretty quick. And, uh, uh, you know, they were able to use Brandon Allen and, uh, you know, 
keep uh, Tyler Boyd's production pretty uh, pretty solid. I'm actually really excited about this, and I'm going to kind of brag about it. It's like a humble brag, because I had Tyler Boyd at 37, and he ended up being 33. So a little bit better than what I had him at, but again, I'm excited that I was right in that range for Tyler Boyd. 32, this is one where I'm, you know, I, I do a humble brag followed by a, what was I thinking? I was totally off on this one, like totally the opposite way. Cooper Cup was number 32 for the Los Angeles Rams. He was targeted 124 times. 124. He caught 92 of those. So you think he'd have a 1,000-yard season and multi, you know a lot of touchdowns, close to maybe double-digit touchdowns. No, he had 974 yards, three touchdowns. You know, he was so touchdown-dependent the year before where it was just like every game he was scoring touchdowns. Well, he evened that out this year by not scoring any touchdowns. And the Rams went more went to a more, you know, rushing offense with the three-headed monster of Brown, Henderson, and Akers. But that didn't affect Cooper Cup's targets as a problem. I mean, he was, again, targeted 124 times. Uh, it just, uh, they went to the more short passing game. So Cooper Cup was getting the ball, just not getting a lot of yards. His yak, was, uh, which is usually pretty good, wasn't very good this year. And, uh, yeah, Cooper Cup was a disappointment. I had him as, like, a top, what, top eight receiver, and he fell all the way down to 32. So, uh, I'm so disappointed in Cooper Cup that I'm going to follow it up with another one that I totally nailed. Marvin Jones, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, 115 targets for 76 receptions, 978 yards, nine touchdowns. Great, great Great season by Marvin Jones. And uh, I had Marvin Jones ranked number 31, and that's where he finished. So I couldn't have nailed it any better. Uh, you damn right I'm going to brag about it. And uh, he's going off to the Miami Dolphins, and it's uh, – all right, I'm sorry. Uh, not the Miami Dolphins. He's going off to – the Jacksonville Jaguars, which will be interesting to see. Um, wait, I take that back. Yep, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which, again, with DJ Chark, there's going to be some weapons there. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to be throwing him the, him the ball. And, and Marvin Jones has always been consistent, you know, for the Lions all those years. It's like he's always underdrafted. Some guys are overdrafted all the time, like Odell Beckham. Marvin Jones is chronically underdrafted. You know, you get him as like the... 40th or 50th receiver and he's always right there in like the 20 to 30 range and 
he had a great season, and you're like, what is going on? I didn't expect Marvin Jones to do this. Well, he's been doing it for like three years now. So uh, we'll see if that holds up with Jacksonville. I'm a little skeptical, a little bit iffy, but uh, Marvin Jones, again, had a great season. Number 30, Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks is always on there. He's always top 30. Even when he has a bad year, you're like, wow, where did Brandon Cooks rank? Oh, he's in the top 30. Um, he barely got in there, though. Um, he had 119 targets, 81 receptions for 1,150 yards and six touchdowns. I think the, you know, he really came on when Will Fuller was suspended. Randall Cobb got hurt. There was really nobody else. And so Randall or sorry, Brandon Cooks just kind of took the the reins and uh, ran with it and really had an amazing last six games of the season where he was a dominant force for the Texans and was really uh, Deshaun Watson's go-to guy. But I wouldn't overthink it. I mean, it really came down to, you know, he was the only option. The other two guys were hurt and suspended. So that opened up a lot of opportunity. So I think it would be tough for him to repeat uh, another season like this, but we'll see. I mean, again, he always slides right in there and gets there, so he's been on four different teams, so it doesn't seem to matter what team he plays for or who his quarterback is. He he, he gets there. Corey Davis, he's ranked number 29, and I'd like to see this from Corey Davis. He had such a bad year last year. Everyone kind of forgot about him. The hype was all about A.J. Brown, and Corey Davis you know, 92 targets, 65 receptions for 984 yards, five touchdowns. He had a good enough season to be signed by the Jets to be a key piece of their offense. And we'll see how he does. But, uh, yeah, Corey Davis kind of showed the signs that you were hoping for when he got drafted by the Titans uh, from Western Michigan, you know, four years ago. So uh, hopefully he can, you know, continue this momentum with the, with the Jets and, uh, make the Jets a relevant uh, franchise again. Number 28 is Curtis Samuel, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, recently signed by the Washington football team. 97 targets, 77 receptions for 851 yards, three touchdowns. He also had 41 rushes for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I definitely, you know, his uh, versatility made him very valuable. You know, he can catch the ball. You can put him in the backfield like a running back, and he can, you know, have some good runs. So uh, you really got to like what Curtis Samuel can do. And um, that got him this big contract for the Washington football team. Uh, the, the Panthers, I think, again, he was another guy that overachieved. He wasn't even thought about. You know, Robbie Anderson, D.J. Moore, you were wondering with Teddy Bridgewater if they were even going to use a third receiver, if he'd be relevant. And I, I agree that some of it had to do with injury. You know, Christian McCaffrey, some of those receiving targets uh, were eaten up by Curtis Samuel because of that injury. But uh, he turned out to be, you know, a bigger weapon than DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson. So... The Washington football team is getting a really great playmaker, and it would be interesting to see what uh, he's able to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think maybe he can build off of this and actually have a better season, as, as hard as that uh, is to, to, to say. Number 27 is the uh, 
Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson. And I'm going to humble brag about this as well because he's ranked number 27, and I had him ranked 27. So spot on. I thought uh, he was being ranked as like a in the like 32 to 35 range receiver, sometimes even later. And with him being the uh, main target in Pittsburgh, I just couldn't see that happening. I felt like he had the potential to be a top 15 receiver. And, uh, yeah, I, he had 144 targets. So with 88 catches for 923 yards, seven touchdowns, he had the targets to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, you know, if Roethlisberger would uh, stop throwing three, four-yard passes, uh, Deontay Johnson could have gotten 1,000 yards easy with this many targets. And, and to be honest, I mean, his touchdowns weren't horrible, but I feel like with that many targets, he should have had more touchdowns. Um, it's just a product of the Pittsburgh's passing game or lack thereof. I mean, they used their passing game as a running game because they couldn't run the ball. And it was a pretty uh, uninventive uh, football from the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, But John, Deontay Johnson's still a beast. Uh, I think he's going to even have a better uh, season next year with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster being gone. That's a lot, a lot of targets that they have to make up. And, uh, yeah, they, he might not get as many targets because they're going to try to focus on the run a little bit more, but I think they'll be more effective and he'll have a chance for bigger plays. Number 26 is kind of a surprise, but it's good to see rookie Brandon Ayuk getting you know in there almost in the top 25. 95 targets, 60 receptions, 748 yards, and five touchdowns. Also rushed six times for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk is just like a 49ers receiver. You know, he did what I thought Debo Samuel was going to do for them. Debo Samuel ended up being hurt most of the year. So just give it to the rookie and let him do it. And if you ever get both of those receivers together, I really like that dynamic. You have two running wide receivers that could do jet sweeps, reverses, screens, and then also work down the field. So, you know, mixing the, the rushing and the receiving. Uh, I, you know, we just haven't been able to see them both on the field. I think both of uh, their stats can improve if, you know, uh, if Debo Samuel can just stay healthy and, and get on the field. Uh, that, uh, that's been his main issue. Uh, but it, yeah, it'll be exciting to see. Moving on to 25 is Juju Smith-Schuster for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And another humble brag. I had him rated at number 24 beginning of the season. He finished 25, so I was right there. 128 targets for 97 yards, 800, or sorry, 97 catches for 831 yards and nine touchdowns. So nine touchdowns was decent. I mean, that's that's a good amount of touchdowns for a receiver. 128 targets on 97 receptions. I feel like you should be a thousand yard receiver. He was close. Just didn't get there. Now, uh, you know, it's going to be up in the air on what his production will be next year because he's currently not anywhere. He's a free agent, so we'll see where he signs. But uh, he worked the slot for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was really the running back. He was really the guy, like, you know, I joked about Deontay Johnson getting three, four-yard catches. Juju Smith-Schuster, he really did get, like, four, three, four-yard catches, and... uh, 
wasn't the big playmaker that he was previously, you know. Defense has loaded the box and really kind of just pinned that whole offense down, and um, they were tackling the catch. So uh, they all the Pittsburgh Steelers receivers got a lot of targets, just, uh, you know, just not as uh, many yards as what they should have with as many targets as they, they had. But still a top 25 performance for Juju Smith-Schuster. Number 24 is Carolina Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson. Uh, 136 targets, 95 catches, 1,096 yards, three touchdowns. So here's the maddening thing about Robbie Anderson. This guy could be easily a top 15, maybe even a top 10 receiver if he just scored touchdowns. I mean, he had 1,000 yards, you know, basically 1,100 yards receiving. And those three touchdowns just didn't add up. You kept waiting for them to even out, like, yeah, he's not scoring, he's not scoring, he's going to even out, he's going to start scoring. And he just never did. He was a guy that was a yardage machine in, in fantasy football. Yeah, you do like yards, but you need those touchdowns. And Robbie Anderson was not able to do that. But uh, still, again, he was really productive, snuck in the top 25. Number 23 is... Cole Beasley for the Buffalo Bills, and I thought there was no way a slot receiver for the Bills who never passed the ball with a uh, you know non-accurate quarterback was going to produce. And here we are, Cole Beasley, number 23. He had 107 targets, 82 catches for 967 yards, and four touchdowns. So, again, I think the one thing holding Cole Beasley back was the fact that he didn't score very many touchdowns. He could have been a top 15 receiver if he was able to score more. But uh, regardless, he still way exceeded expectations. And uh, I, I like his outlook for next year. You know, Josh Allen really, you know, we talked about it during the quarterback segment. His accuracy really improved. And it was one of those things where you thought it was going to hold back the offense. And it didn't, and everyone got to eat, everyone got involved in the offense, and there was some really good fantasy production from it. It's really going to bring Cole Beasley up in the rankings next year. Uh, number 22, and I like to humble brag about this one. Number 22 is Terry McLaurin. He was targeted 134 times, had 87 catches for 1,118 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, again, I the only thing I think holding him back from being a even maybe a top ten receiver is the amount of uh, touchdowns he had. He only had four. I thought he should have a lot more. He's the Washington Football Team's main wide receiver. Uh, he again, he was ranked twenty two. I had him ranked twenty two, so I nailed that one as well. And I obviously feel really good about that. He he produced where I thought he would. And uh, obviously the factor of having a rookie quarter, well, second-year quarterback, I should say, uh, factored into that where, you know, Alex Smith was in there. You really liked uh, you, you really liked McLaurin's chances a lot more. And there were some times where he wasn't in there, Haskins was in there, and really kind of tanked his value. Uh, so even getting 134 targets in that type of quarterback situation really shows you that if the Washington football team gets a quarterback that's at least decent and consistent, Terry McLaurin is a top 15 receiver easily. 
and should be drafted that way. So, um, I mean, it's not done yet. They released Alex Smith. Dwayne Haskins went to the Steelers. They, uh, you know, they have Kyle Allen. They re-signed Taylor and Heineke. Um, it's looking like they're probably going to have to draft somebody. Uh, and that's what's kind of scary is, is Terry McLaurin going to go back to, uh, you know, to another rookie quarterback and have them to do this all over again? Because uh, if so, that hurts his value. Or, you know, Washington football team doesn't necessarily need to draft a quarterback because uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is there. So with Ryan Fitzpatrick, is that going to open up the offense? Um, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where you got to see if they draft a quarterback or not because if they do draft a quarterback, granted it's nice that Ryan Fitzpatrick's there, but is he going to be in the same situation that he was in with Tua where they were, you know, they're just going to wait for the moment to uh, kind of pull the rug out from under him and start that rookie quarterback and really hurt the value of the wide receivers along with it. Uh, so that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, see what the Washington football team does with their draft pick. Uh, but if I was them, I'd stay away from quarterback this year. I'd let uh, Fitzpatrick do his thing and uh, get a really good season from Terry McLaurin. Number 21, this is the final one for the, the show today, and we'll get into the other ones later. But uh, 21 is Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He was my favorite receiver coming out of the draft. I loved him, but I ranked him so low just because of all the weapons they had there. You know, you thought A.J. Green was going to have his bounce-back season from his injury and do great things. They had Tyler Boyd there already. Um, they had Auden Tate. They had John Ross, who was making some noise in preseason. And you just weren't sure if there was going to be room for T. Higgins. Well, I lesson learned because you just go with the talent. The talent always wins out. T. Higgins just came onto the scene like, what, five, six weeks into the season and just started to be the guy. And I think he's going to make a Calvin Ridley-type jump next year. With Joe Burrow having another year under his belt, like Joe Burrow was a great rookie quarterback that was able to throw all over the field. And you give him, you know, obviously I know he's rehabbing from his knee injury, but uh, – I just, you know, give him, a, give him another year in, in, in the NFL, you know, training and uh, learning uh, defenses and what they try to do against him. I think that only helps T. Higgins have an amazing season next year. So I'm really high on T. Higgins, obviously, as you can tell. Uh, T. Higgins is my boy. Um, 108 targets, 67 receptions for 908 yards and six touchdowns. So... Uh, again, uh, I'm disappointed he didn't get a 1,000-yard season, but he came close. And I, I think it's just going to, you know, it's going to uh, be kind of a springboard for, the, you know, 2021 where he becomes one of the top receivers, or at least upper echelon type receivers in the NFL. So there you have it. That's our review. And as you can see, there's been a lot of great hits on the rankings and where they ended up. And, uh, also some misses and, and some surprises. So we've had the kind of a mixed bag of, of all three, and it's been a, a lot of fun to talk about.
Thank you for listening to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Show. We appreciate you listening. You can find us on all major podcast apps, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, please find us, rate us, subscribe. All that helps. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back at it next week to review the rest of our wide receivers. And in the meantime, I mean, you got a big sporting event coming up with March Madness, so enjoy the uh, NCAA tournament. And uh, let's go Colorado Buffaloes. And in the meantime, see you next week.